Congratulations. In this episode, you'll be hearing final part seven in a series of seven about Kleinfelter syndrome, integrating genetics, neuropsychology, and endocrinology, the most extensive review to date dedicated to the most common known genetic variation in males, the presence of an extra X chromosome published by Gravold et al. in the journal Endocrine Reviews in 2018. Congratulations, because if you've made it this far, you now know more about Extra X, also called KS or 47XXY, than most people in the world, alongside a handful of remarkable researchers, clinicians, and advocates. Just as importantly, you also know how much we don't know, and that remains to be discovered. Part 7 matters most of all for clinicians, but also policymakers, parents, and educators because it's dedicated to the current state of the art of clinical care. Although exciting advances have been made since this review was published, filling in some of the key blanks already identified by the authors at the time, the short episode you're about to hear covers what largely remains golden standard clinical practice today and lists out the 14 steps you need to know about top-line treatment and intervention strategies from childhood to puberty and adulthood. And this, in turn, matters for policymakers, governments, regions, cities, and insurance companies. Because with the fast-rising diagnosis in the overall population thanks to advances in genetic testing technology, it's never been more urgent to support families and communities with early screening and long-overdue evidence-based multidisciplinary care, promising not only to change lives and unlock futures, but also deliver potential colossal savings to healthcare systems. Welcome to Chromodiversity, a podcast about common genetic diversity. I'm Elliot Pollack, founder of MyXXY Chromodiversity Foundation, and I'll be your host. Current state of the art. Here are the 14 top-line suggested treatment and intervention strategies in KS from childhood to puberty and adulthood. A. Childhood and early adolescence. 1. Pedagogical supervision, including guidance on educational and lifestyle issues. 2. Psychological referral, if necessary. 3. Information about support and peer groups. B. Puberty. For consider supplementation of testosterone. 5. Pedagogical supervision, including guidance on education and lifestyle issues. 6. Psychological referral, if necessary. 7. Information about support and peer groups. C. Adulthood. 8. Testosterone supplementation for most. 9. Prevention of lifestyle diseases, including type 2 diabetes, obesity, chronic obstructive lung disease. 10. Neurocognitive treatment. 11. Fertility treatment. 12. Estimation of bone density, DEXA scan. 13. Information about the syndrome, including support and peer groups. 14. Questions about well-being, physical activity, energy, sexual activity, libido. Clinical care. As mentioned throughout this review, testosterone substitution therapy remains a cornerstone of proper treatment of males with KS. 
Although there are many unanswered questions concerning timing, dose, and route of administration, we recommend the initiation of TRT once the first signs of elevated LH and FSH occur to secure a proper masculine development of sexual characteristics during adolescence and to enable proper peak bone mass and muscle mass to prevent osteoporosis during old age. We discuss fertility issues before commencement of therapy and postponement of testosterone therapy can be necessary if one wants to retrieve viable sperm at this stage. In pubertal KS boys, it has been reported that testosterone therapy increases energy and endurance and improves mood, concentration, and relations to others. And there is some evidence of increased psychosocial problems in periods without testosterone treatment in pubertal KS males. We argue for lifelong testosterone treatment to prevent lifestyle diseases such as osteoporosis, obesity, metabolic syndrome, and diabetes, although this practice is not evidence-based. Treatment in a large group of young hypogonadal men of mixed origin, whereas some had KS, has been shown to have a positive effect, impact also on fat mass, muscle mass, and muscle strength, as well as sexual activity and related areas, and it improves positive aspects of mood. In older hypogonadal males, limited data suggest positive effects of treatment on visuospatial cognition and verbal memory. Some KS patients have normal testosterone values, but most have increased gonadotropin levels, an unfavorable body composition, and low hemocrit, indicative of a relative hypogonadism. Others with KS may not realize that they have typical hypogonad sy symptoms and a trial period of treatment may show benefits of the treatment and using bivariate charts of testosterone versus LH for proper dosage. In children and adolescents, dose escalation must be considered, starting with oral or transdermal treatment. We aim to normalize LH and FSH during testosterone therapy and to avoid elevated hemoglobin and hemocrit, which is a common problem during treatment. Clinically, we note that about two-thirds of patients in our clinic prefer long-asting testosterone undecadenate or testosterone anathenate, and the remaining one-third of patients prefer testosterone gel, where brands enabling dose trituration um, include ones such as Tostran. As stated, we need large observational and preferably randomized and controlled studies to answer questions related to efficacy and side effects through all phases of life. In particular, there is a scarcity of data on life with KS during middle age into senescence. Clinically, we see a mounting burden of comorbidity which has rarely been documented in published research. We treat comorbidities according to consensus guidelines. Concerning the many neurocognitive problems that males with KS can encounter, we are increasingly using neuropsychologists to provide neurocognitive therapy. Based on the published research to date, we urge for the creation of multidisciplinary clinics around the world and stress that care of KS males should take place in such units. This will ensure pervasive care from childhood through adolescence and into adulthood.
We believe that centers around the world caring for KS males should implement policies to this end. Perspectives. Males with KS face a bewildering array of medical, neurocognitive, and social problems, which are only beginning to become apparent in recent years. Clearly, there are complex interactions between genotype and phenotype, many of which we do not yet fully understand. We need to develop a more thorough understanding of the fundamental genetics and genomics of the syndrome to fully address the endocrine, neurocognitive, and cardiovascular disturbances. For example, is the testicular demise inevitable, or is there a possibility for rescuing testicular function, thus possibly avoiding infertility and the need for testosterone substitution? Why is it so difficult to diagnose KS? How detrimental is late diagnosis to the life of KS males? Would early diagnosis improve the lives of males with KS materially? It is clear that the current diagnostic approach is not sufficient, and we advocate for the incorporation of diagnostics of sex chromosome abnormalities, including KS, into neonatal screening programs. It is currently not clear which methodology would be most appropriate to use in such a neonatal screening program, and therefore, the cost of such an intervention is not yet clear. Further research should also focus on delineating the complex interactions between the genotype and complex neurocognitive phenotype, both to understand the intricacies of the KS brain and how the observed changes spell out clinically, and also to devise more efficient and effective treatment strategies. Thus, there is a need for much larger international collaborative efforts to study genotype-phenotype relations across all ages. We envision the inclusion of over 10,000 KS males and large epidemiological studies with merging of multiple registries to better delineate mortality, morbidity, medicinal use, and laboratory tests, level of testosterone, LH, hemoglobin, etc., but also for intervention trials to study the effects of TRT and neurocognitive treatment. Thank you for taking the time and effort to listen to this extraordinarily extensive seven-part review of KS integrating genetics, neuropsychology, and endocrinology. As you've heard, the presence of an extra X chromosome is the most common known genetic variation in males and results in elevated morbidity and mortality for almost all international classification of diseases and related health problems, except diseases in the newborn. In fact, the lack of visible differences at birth may be one of the reasons why it is so rarely diagnosed and at the same time results in such major adverse cumulative yet for the most part unaddressed effects. As diagnosis rates quickly rise, vast savings may be gained by early diagnosis and intervention, not only in terms of the well-being of millions of individuals, families, and communities, but also sheer costs to healthcare systems and insurers. However, to achieve such savings before diagnosis rates spiral out of control, we believe it's urgent for policymakers to choose to start experimenting with 
and investing in cost-effective, evidence-based, multidisciplinary care solutions. As you've also heard, such holistic care is still almost entirely lacking or inaccessible to the vast majority around the world, even in countries with some of the most advanced healthcare systems. I may be biased as the founder of an organization dedicated to changing the way the world considers and supports common chromodiversity, but perhaps the single biggest takeaway from this wide-ranging review is not an observation, but a question. Why has this not already been done, and what are we waiting for? Tune in to our next episode to hear the most extraordinarily massive data study ever published on KS with major implications for health policymakers around the world. Released in June 2022 by the UK Biobank, the paper reviews the first ever population-wide collection of data concerning both diagnosed and undiagnosed KS individuals. It demonstrates once and for all that the long-suspected natural history compounding lifetime cumulative cost of KS does not only apply to the small fraction of currently diagnosed individuals, but is virtually the same across entire populations. If you found this episode useful, I encourage you to share it so others can benefit. With currently near zero or negative awareness of genetic diversity, every share counts. I'd also love to hear what you think about this podcast. What did you like? Is there something you want to hear about more? How can we improve? Anything else? Please don't hesitate to leave a comment so we can keep leveling up. Thanks again for listening. Tune in for our next exciting episode and have a wonderful day.